0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: And this is Phil Stevens. I run strength yield. I'm a competitive powerlifter, dabble in highland games, and any other sport that's walking around that's usually heavier, fast, and short. So. <laughs>
2: nice. This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm instructor at Rocky Mountain University, faculty member at the Kerrigan Institute, uh, owner of the Flex Diet Certification, and I'm actually at home today. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, right? Wow. It's, yeah. You know, honestly, I can't tell when you're home or, or not because you take
2: that sweet mic with you when you travel. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mobile studio, you know.
2: Yeah, it works out pretty good. It does. Um, yeah, set it off the TSA people all the time, but other yeah. than that.
0: Oh, right. Like, is he going to do some kind of weird anti, I don't know, government, you know, anti-establishment podcast from... Russia. Uh yeah, they don't know
2: what it is. <laughs> that and uh, fat grips. So I have to take both those out of my bag all the time. <laughs> yeah, let, my belt.
1: I brought my belt on our last flight, and they got checked both times. So oh I, yeah, uh, I had to open the bag.
2: Yeah,
0: you know it, that sort of emphasizes. We're always saying how niche we are. You know, yeah. I mean, Iron Radio listeners. I think uh, we know are a niche of a niche. Right, lifters mm. are not yeah. exactly one of the big two or three sports in this country, like football, basketball, maybe baseball. You know. And then on top of that, yeah, we have, we're have we even within that lifting niche in several ways. Yeah, and the equipment you guys have, you're left explaining to people who have no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what, that, what a powerlifting belt is or what it would look like
2: or whatever. Okay. It's a little bit big to wear for your dress pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yep. Uh,
0: okay, everyone, today we have two males and one study. That actually came out in the New York Times. Uh, and then after the break, we're going to talk about whole body workouts. We're going to revisit the topic because it's timely. Uh, I've had a couple of people ask about what we do uh, in the gym. And those of you who are listening, you, you know who you are. You are one of multiple people who said, can I get a peek at your guys' training logs? Or can you say exactly what you do? Well, we're not going to bore people with gory details, but uh, we'll talk about you know, some of the the, the way we 've been gravitating, I think, over the years, maybe it, once you 're experienced after a while, whole body workouts may be an answer for a lot of people, so anyway let 's read this first one, Phil, this is a friend of yours. This is Forrest. Um, he made okay. a, a nice donation, yeah. so thank you for yeah, Forrest. He, me on. yeah. Uh, he says so I thanked him, and he said you're welcome. he said, as I mentioned to Phil. I played some older episodes while welding up a monolift in the garage. Nice.
1: Yeah, he sent me some pictures. It looks yeah. nice. Uh,
0: the familiar voices and topics were almost like having a few buddies over chatting away in the background while I worked. It was perfect. I really appreciate what you guys do. The constant flow of real information with little fluff keeps me motivated for the gym. So that was nice. And I, yep. So you're welcome. Canadian as well
1: from mm. up north. So. Sweet.
0: Yep. Um, I think that's one of the best things a podcast do. Frankly, you know, you can put them on in the background if you want, Um, you know, driving, boring treadmill work, stuff like welding or, you know, repetitive or whatever you're doing. Um, Yeah, over the years, I've really been stricken by the number of people who say, like, there's not a real, there's not, and this may not be the case with Forrest, but there's not a real, like, um, community in my area. And this keeps Mm -hmm. me connected to sort of a secondary type, you know, lifting community. So,
2: yeah.
0: Um... The second one, let's see. Oh, this is Jeff Wilson, who won our Big Eats contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just got a hold of, of us, and he basically uh, – I said, you know, so what do you want, coffee mug or something? I, I only have a, a small handful of these things that I – you know, leftover prints and stuff like that. And uh, he's, he's a like-minded dude because he says I have a collection of over 100 coffee mugs, mm. uh, so I'd like to – add an iron radio mug. But then he said, I feel a bit bad winning by default, he felt like, because the listener's page doesn't have quite the activity it used to have, and he hoped more people would contribute. Uh, The truth is, behind the scenes, from bandwidth perspectives, we have more listeners than we've ever had. In fact, I've been meaning to send um, Phil and and Mike both some of the the data, um, and you can can really see it in the number of mails we get and all that sort of thing. It does make you wonder why Facebook – I mean, it, Facebook sort of took a hit lately, you know, I don't know, maybe people are less inclined to do everything through the, you know, the the central hub of Facebook, I don't know, um, that's a good question, uh, yeah, but by other sources that we can actually see, we have our fingers on the pulse of this a little bit, and um, so Iron Radio is, is bigger, it's actually, in 2017, it was bigger than it had ever been before. So I'm not too worried about it at the same time. Yeah, when we do social media type stuff, and admittedly, we don't do a lot of that kind of marketing stuff. But uh, it'd be nice to to see, yeah, more participation. So good on you, Jeff, for participating And that breakfast was redonkulous. So um, we'll get you a sweet mug. All right, news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. This is from Gretchen Reynolds, actually, in the New York Times. Uh, it's actually based on a paper in medsize Sports Exercise, uh journal that uh, Mike and I are very familiar with. It's sort of a yep. you know, prevailing, what I would consider, mid-tier journal. It's a solid journal. Uh, anyway, yeah. the, here's the write-up. Can coffee rev up your workout? It may depend on your genes. Uh, now, a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily news, but there's some... New information in here, so bear with me. It says, according to a new study uh, on the genetics of caffeine metabolism, um, athletes with a particular variant of a particular gene show basically increased improvements in their endurance performance. Now, this is by guest and colleagues. Uh, I think the senior author on this, uh, in this lab is L. Sohemi. Um, anyway, That's from the actual study. It basically says people respond differently to caffeine. Some become jittery and have difficulty sleeping. You know, others, it doesn't bother them. Um, The same range of reactions occurs in athletes. So um, let's see here. A few years ago, some of the disparities in the way people responded to caffeine drew the attention of Ahmed L. Sohemi. There it is. A professor of nutritional science at the University of Toronto. So we have sort of a Canadian-themed episode here. Mm-hmm. Um, that gene called the CYP1A2, CYP1A2, controls the expression of an enzyme that affects the breakdown and the clearance of caffeine from the body. Uh, by most estimates, about half of us are fast caffeine metabolizers. And if you're interested, uh, that's probably what you want to be, right, For from a couple of different perspectives. Um, so 50% of us, fast caffeine metabolizers. Um, another variant of the gene slows caffeine metabolism. People with one copy of this version and one copy of the faster metabolizing type are considered moderate metabolizers. Okay, About 40% of us are thought to be moderate metabolizers. Again, in how quickly we clear caffeine from our system. Um, that leaves about 10% uh, by just doing some math here of us that are slow metabolizers. And those of you who are Familiar with some of this literature, those are the people who might have increased heart disease risk and things like that, or cardiac risk, like heart attacks, because caffeine can uh, narrow blood vessels, uh, things like that. Uh, so, what they did in this study was the scientists they swabbed men's cheeks, right, to get just sort of a cells, easily obtainable cells, look at their ge- genetic makeup, uh, which variants that each man carried. And again, these are these are endurance athletes, but again, it does speak to other performance issues because god i could tell you in the very brief non-fatiguing power stuff that i do in my lab you could clearly see this you know different response from people Uh, but uh, they had the athletes do three separate 10 kilometer time trials basically on a bike Um, once they gave them two milligrams per kg of caffeine and for the record that's pretty low that's <laughs> pretty low stuff um, on the low end yeah um on another trial they gave them twice as much so four milligrams per kg now that's about in the usual you know ergogenic range performance boosting range and then in the third trial they gave them a placebo overall when you actually go look at the paper from Guest and colleagues there was um a three percent improvement uh, again, but that 's across all these metabolizer types, right, and Mike, you and I have had this conversation many times. but what does published research do? It takes an average of a group of you know ten, twenty thirty people, sometimes more, but then you don 't you don 't see the you know the genetic variants the you know the weirdos on either end of the spectrum, or you know you you just lump them all together, you melt everybody together, and so if you do that, it looks like a three percent improvement, which Honestly, that looks like it would be barely statistically significant. So anyway, um, yeah, so it does say on aggregate, the men performed better with caffeine. And again, it was only about 3%. Fast metabolizers rode nearly 7% faster after they downed the larger dose of caffeine. Again, the, what I would consider a realistic dose of 4 mg per kg. Um, the moderate metabolizers sort of flatlined between doses and, you know, and trials, didn't really do much. The slow metabolizers, now I found this bizarre, but the slow metabolizers showed the greatest impact with a negative 14% effect. So they've slowed down 14%. It says just how this happened is unclear. It might have had to do with the narrowing of blood vessels. Again, they're trying to look at the same mechanisms that they did with the the heart attack risk. Um, Now, I have never, well, I can't say never. That's a strong word. Um, But I have rarely seen someone perform worse, you know, on ballistic kinds of tasks, uh, regardless, right, of their genetic makeup and that kind of thing. Not that I'm directly looking at their genetic makeup, but they said it might have to do with the narrowing of blood vessels. In fast metabolizers, the drug likely provided a quick gush of energy that was quickly cleared uh, from their bodies. So uh, let me go to the conclusion in the real study because I think this matters not that I distrust this Gretchen Reynolds she may be awesome but you know science journalist I'm always bitching about him this is med size, sports exercise March 2018 I mean now now guest and colleagues um, the title is caffeine CYP1A2 genotype and endurance performance in athletes the conclusion down at the bottom our findings show that both 2 and 4 milligram of caffeine per kg Improves 10-kilometer cycling time, but only in those with the AA genotype. In other words, they've got the fast, fast combination of genes here. Uh, Caffeine had no effect on those with the AC genotype. So, again, uh, a fast, slow gene mix. Um, And diminished performance at 4 milligrams per kg in those with the CC genotype. Again, slow, slow. And then finally, CYP1A2 genotypes should be considered when deciding whether an athlete should use caffeine to enhance endurance performance. So uh, interesting stuff, I think, coming out of uh, some GenPop media. And one of the labs that first started noticing, right, that there are different genetic responders. That's that's pretty much it. Mike, give any thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, the um, the lead author there is actually the lead author on the upcoming revised position stand on caffeine. So I'll drop her a note in maybe a couple months. We can get her on here to, to talk more in detail about it. But, yeah, it's super interesting because, like, the study showed the newer things are looking at taking genetics and saying, okay, you're fast, you're slow, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, and then seeing if there's a difference in performance there. My guess, and this is just purely speculation on the people that were super slow, is I wonder if even that low dose was maybe too much, right? So if you take someone, as you know, who's a fast metabolizer and you just give them a crap ton of caffeine, at some point their performance is going to get a little bit worse. Um, So I wonder if maybe they've already kind of passed their ergogenic dose. But again, that's just speculation on my part.
0: That's not a bad point. We, we actually presented a paper, I, I think it might have been in Japan, one of my students, Alex, actually. She looked at the, the performance curve and then like the psychometric, you know, how wired you felt. And it, it was funny how they, they uncoupled. At some point you start yeah. kind of overdosing, you know, and your, your bench press bar speed flatlines. It doesn't keep improving, and yet you, your alertness and focus keep going up. So at some point, you feel like you're incredibly awesome, and you're moving the bar that much more powerfully, and no, you're not, right? We're looking at the, we're looking at the readout in real time on the machine being like, this guy is, he's so wired, and he thinks he's, he's so much better than he was at the you know at a, at a different level, and no, he's not. So it, it yeah. almost, it's beautiful for the people who sell pre-workout pills, right, or powders, Oh, right? yeah, because people they feel like they're Superman, and up to a point, yeah, it works. I mean, there's, that's really not even up for debate in my mind anymore, whether it's brief explosive strength or endurance. Caffeine works for, as an ergogenic aid. But, yeah, the more is better thing that people love to keep using the you know, extra pre-workout for even more. I can get a little bit more.
2: No, you can't. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> no, probably not. So. Yeah. And we see that with everything, right? There's different shaped curves of response, whether it's an inverted U or,
1: mm-hmm. you know, at,
2: at some point you're going to see a different response. And yeah, not to diverge too much, but there's some interesting stuff, even looking like at toxicology of super small amounts of doses of some things being very toxic moderate being not too bad and then high doses being toxic again so like a complete u-shaped curve so it's weird it's not always a nice neat linear response to everything right
0: right on yeah pharmacokinetics they're a thing yeah uh okay that's pretty much it um any other news from around the industry
2: no Uh I don't think so. Okay. I passed my CISSN exam. I finally sat down and took it when I was in Costa Rica. So I passed that. So I was happy. Well, that's some
0: (laughs) humility on your behalf because you could write that thing, you know. (laughs) I helped with
2: the review course. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I told the guy I said well I can take this ahead of time I don't want to be one of those people that's like oh here's your review but I haven't taken it yet it's like ah just take it with everyone else so yeah but it was good to have a, a deadline and all that kind of stuff right so, on yep. Yeah. Yep. cool alright let's go to break
0: when we come back we're going to have a freewheeling discussion about whole body workouts uh, who they might be best for who they might not be best for pros and cons how we do it the whole shebang we'll be back
1: Hi, we're back, and this is Phil Stevens. We're going to talk about kind of uh, what we're doing now is what the question was. So this kind of fed into a question we had the other day that I posted up a couple weeks ago while me and Lonnie were on the air, if anybody had questions for us on Iron Radio. And Matt Hall wrote in and said, a plan for training one day a week. And oddly enough, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So and I started this, gosh, whew, we're about almost a year ago so close to a year ago, probably more like nine or 10 months. But, um, I'm getting 90% of the time I'm getting all my training in on one day, which is Saturday. So, and what, what led me to that, my usual was like four days a week where I'd have like a bench day, a press day or another bench day, uh, deadlift and squat. But, uh, I was just getting too beat up and with all the, uh, various repairs I've had. um, It kind of just led me to this day where basically I was having a lot of mediocre days instead of any good days because I was always in some kind of pain uh, from the training. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to try just, I'd, I'd read up on some of the, Oh God, I think it was in Marty Gallagher's book, purposeful primitive years ago. And there was a, there was a couple guys in there that were, were veterans and they got like all their training done on one day. So, I was like, hey, man, it's worth a shot. And I've been at this for a while. So, basically I go in, I get my squat done, and then I'll bench a little bit on some days. Lately, I haven't really been benching much. Uh, and then I go to my deadlift and then throw some rows in and things like that. So, basically, if you're going to do this, I think it's, it's a couple things. Uh, I don't know if it would work for somebody new. I don't think the training stimulus is enough. I don't think there's probably enough total volume. And you got that learning curve. Basically, I've been at this, you know, I've been competing for 15 years. So Mm -hmm. and I've been at this longer than that. But it's one of those deals where it takes less to kind of hang on to what you had than it does to get it. So, and I'm still making progress, but uh, it's also giving me more time to recover. So I'm able to hit a bit heavier lifts. So basically what I'm doing is mainly doubles and singles and lots of them, uh, so it's fairly heavy, 80% plus, almost all the time. And uh, and then I have a week to recover from that. So um, that's kind of where I base it out. And I run it kind of like a meet. Um, it also has me very comfortable when I go into a meet. that usually I get all of this done in two to two and a half hours. So when I come to a meet and I have a heavy squat, and then like six hours later I have a heavy deadlift, I, I feel great compared oh, to right. – you know, usually what takes me the longest is my squat because it takes me forever to warm up It's that first lift just getting going. So, like, I'll do a heavy, heavy squat, and then it may only be 15 minutes later I'm pulling a heavy deadlift. So, after that heavy squat. So, when I have hours of rest, I feel pretty good. But uh, that's kind of what I've led to now is, uh, is that i got to keep it pretty heavy. i got to keep it, the volume uh, kind of okay. So, many sets, there might be 8 to 10 sets in there that are pretty heavy. Uh, of each lift, but uh, then move from there, and I think I think it's working because just because of the years I have, you know, I have the muscle mass, I have the the neural adaptation and things like yeah, that. So, Matt I, mean, I think. Go ahead.
0: I just so even the mindset, right? That you yeah can, you yeah. can wait a week between and not. Decide to stop lifting or get distracted, or I don't know. Yeah, whatever.
1: I mean, if I'm in the gym, I'm just so busy. And that's what I hear this from other gym owners too. The hardest thing to do, the hardest thing to get in when you own a facility is your own training. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. else gets theirs in. So, and by the time it's my turn, it's like, oh, God, it's time to shut the doors and get out of here. So I'll try and get little things in here and there. Like I'll pick up somebody's bar that they're deadlifting with and I'll do some bent over rows and things like that. But it's not a lot. And I'm fairly active, you know, I'll chop wood it here and and things like that. But, uh, you know, my training plan, I think it's, it's working mainly because just, I'm I'm more advanced. I think if you were someone who was doing it, uh, I've worked with people that I have one to two days a week and they're, they're more of a beginner. I think it's, you'd need to really load up on the volume and instead of taking a, like a power lifters mindset that we have, which I'm always still just looking to kill things and make it easy. I don't want to grind through sets. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking to make mine easy. You would have to go, like, like Larney always says, tissue assassin Yeah. if you're going to do one to two days a week. And literally just, like, you can, can't hardly walk the next day and give yourself that week to recover yep. if, if you're a beginner. I think that's the route you would have to go is just massive sets of 10s and 20s and things like that to the point that the next three days is, like, not fun to walk upstairs. And then, then you have a few days after that, and then, okay, I'm back at it again. So I think you could pull it off. Um, it depends on where you're at and what your goals are. So
0: right. Yeah, career stage. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about you, Miguel? Uh you were mentioning before we hit the record button about how you were doing some things lately.
2: Yeah, so kind of similar to what I was doing before. I was in Costa Rica, so I did a bunch of different weird kind of screwball stuff there. I think one of the other guys there, uh, Luke from Muscle Nerds was trying to kill me. So I think his little goal is to see how sore he could make me the next day. But <laughs> Outside of that normal kind of distress training, which was still pretty fun. Um, since I've been home, kind of back to a similar template. So I did a upper body day uh, two days ago. And then just because of schedule, ended up doing more of a lower body day yesterday. But I just alternated with uh, squats and chin-ups or pull-ups. I found that's actually been working pretty good. So my squat's been going up. And yesterday was just, everything felt kind of slow. I was actually using the push band to measure velocity. And yeah, it wasn't super fast. So I just said, eh. You know, leave the weight a little bit lighter and just do three or four reps and try to keep the, the speed somewhat faster. Um, but I haven't done that particular movement probably now for three weeks because I've been gone. And then during the week, I've another day is just more hypertrophy kind of upper body uh, type stuff. And I've been doing more cardio. And then I did play around with throwing in uh, an upper body-ish day because I realized I haven't done a lot of uh, vertical pressing. Cause in the winter, it's hard to use like, a I I do a lot of that with an axle bar. So I get a little nervous in my garage. If I have to ditch that somewhere, it's not going to end well. <laughs> so in the summer, I usually just take it out into the the street with bumpers and that's much easier. So I just added something I haven't done in a long time is just, um, military press for like super high reps. Mm-hmm. So like 15 to 20, yeah. and then just started working the weight up from there and kind of let the reps drop down and then just alternated that with, uh, Old school standing bicep curls. <laughs> right on. Did that and yeah, just did some uh, overhead uh, cable stuff, just press downs and some more rows, and that was it. I was in and out in less than forty minutes, and oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I thought that was good, and it it's crazy to me how when you go into like a higher rep range, like and my overhead press isn't super strong by any means, but holy crap, do I feel like a pussy <laughs> 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 because I haven't done like you know, probably over five reps in that and like forever. So you can get in a fair amount of work doing that and not have to beat the crap out of yourself. And it, you know, doesn't take very long either. So,
0: right. Yeah. Uh, Part of the reason uh, for this, like I said, timely from several angles, but this past week I actually, you know, I was in the mood, I had some coffee, I was ready to go. Uh, Maybe I'm a fast metabolizer. I don't know. But I, I, I did a whole body workout, and it was – I think it might have been Monday night, and Monday nights are like – it's 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 crowded at my gym, right? And it's actually hard. Back in the day, if I was going to do a squat workout that was going to last an hour or more, I would kind of wait in line or fight for the squat rack, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's just not that worth it for me because I just want to get in, do my three or four sets, and get out, right? So I actually thought rather than go – Kind of wait in line uh, in the back room at the gym. We have sort of a powerlifting back room, and that's where the, the squat racks are and the power racks and stuff. I just lifted at home and I just I, I deadlifted and then I squatted and then I benched and then I finished up with some direct arm work. I just really feel like I have to do direct arm work, but maybe that's the bodybuilder background. But I just did four sets of each. Of these things of uh, you know, focus on the negative, like Phil said, tissue assassin a little bit, um you know, I use two and a quarter, that's not going to impress anybody i don't care that's not what i'm you know what I'm about, and uh I was wrecked for days, I mean sore all over, you know, and so I, it made me think about some of the like the pros and cons of this I mean if you're a pr- busy professional person or like 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 Phil with barely getting a chance to get you know. <laughs> into the equipment, on the equipment himself, or like me at the university or whatever. I mean, literally, I mean, I'm going to go in again today. That's going to be twice this week, grand total, you know. Uh, but I would think that those kinds of workouts, you could do them twice, three times a week. And here's the, the interesting thing from a volume perspective. Instead of drifting into the bodybuilder-esque split, body part split like I used to, where I might actually hit only hit back once a week, um, I end up stimulating back twice or three times this week, right? Even though I'm going to the gym infrequently, uh, you know, so I might get 12 to 16 total sets uh, for my back. And again, you know, for me, a uh, two and a quarter, that's a nice medium weight. That, that's not a medium weight for a lot of you guys that listen probably, but it is for me. So, you know, uh, four sets of eight, whatever it might be, bench squat and deadlift, uh, I love it. Uh, I actually feel like I make physique progress more quickly when I do it that way. And if you think about the, the volume per session, doesn't look very impressive, right? Because you you got in the in your mind you have to keep a little bit of juice for the next big movement. So you're only do, I was only doing four sets, but again, over the course of a week, I might end up doing twelve to sixteen sets instead of maybe a total of eight sets for any given. Muscle group, right? Because I think more from muscle group, body part split instead of, you know, uh, performance movements. Um, Yeah, so the efficiency of the two to three day a week thing, I just love it, man. I I need to get back into that. I made a lot of progress doing that last year for about six months. And I think I'm going to do that as we ramp into summer here, right? Because, yeah, it's um, deceptively higher um, volume uh, if you are a, a low rep you know, low number of sets kind of lifter. Now it did take me about 90 minutes to get through that. um, And that's longer than I I would normally spend, but I don't know. I I just thought that was great. Let's, let's talk about exercise choices though. Uh, Again, because some people were asking like, what do you guys do in the gym? Can I get a picture of your training log? That kind of thing. Uh, Phil, I know you're like, you said you're all over the place and whatnot and sort of hodgepodge, but like, Are you just going uh, squat bench dead or or
1: Mm -mm.
0: you know accessory stuff? Yeah, majority of it.
1: The majority of it's just big lifts. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain things that I just can't do anymore. I mean, I'll go do them every now and again. Um, Like chin ups, they light up my shoulder. I've got a bad shoulder, so I just it's I'm at that point where it's like, yeah, okay, chin ups are awesome. They're one of those things you should do, but I can't, so Uh I'm not going to do them anymore. You know? Right, yeah, and every once in a while, I'll just go knock out and I can still knock out like 15, 16 in a row, even though I don't do them. Um, but uh, yeah, basically all my moves are are around bringing my competition lifts up. Like, I, I got to meet in four weeks. So it's mainly that. And I mean, honestly, if you've already, if you've already built it, you know, like I said, if you're just squatting, pulling, uh, squatting, deadlifting, benching and things like that, it's going to, you're going to hit it all. So, I mean, that's basically what I do. It's just the big lifts. Um, it gets me in and out. I, I enjoy it. I know if I if I go in and, like today, I got to go in and squat 655. If I do a few reps at 655, I, there's not a lot I didn't hit, you know? yeah. <laughs> So, and, and, you know, I just, I was out at Mark Bell's a week and a half ago, and we did uh, three sets of five at 605 on deadlift and then a bunch of stiff-legged deadlifts and called it a day. You know, that's yeah. enough. So I think a part of that's load, too. I mean, once you're up to a certain load, that's one thing I've changed with my clients. uh, Percentages are percentages, like 80% is 80% until you get really strong. You know, I can't ask Brian, who's squatting 900, to do, you know, 670 for 30 reps. (laughs) Right, yeah. So uh, we can get more out of less, like we talked about before the show. I mean, and like me and Windler talk about this a lot. Now, if I'm doing assistance work, usually it's a lot lighter than it used to be. You know I might do good mornings with only I have good morning six fifty, but I'll do it with like two twenty five now yeah um and just kind of go through the motion usually a lot slower, just looking to hit the right movements I don't need to I don't need to pack on the weight on that stuff to keep it and keep building so right. but basically i'm mine, yeah it's all based around really big compound moves I don't have any time to waste, so
0: I think um <clears throat> part of it is you're not trying to break new ground in the good morning. <laughs> You know, yeah. you just got to maintain those, those systems and yeah, those structures, right. you know, while you focus on the bigger lifts. Yep. You know.
1: And that's what I'm trying to get up is my squat, my bench and deadlifts, get those back up. And, and right now, will this plan change? Probably. But I'm going to ride this this very few days a week as long as it can go up. You know, I'm squatting potentially more than I ever have. My deadlift's going back up. Um, I haven't been benching because my shoulder hurts. So, and I figured out that I start benching and my bench goes down. I quit benching and I joke and I tell everybody I, I do all my benching in my head. And it's all mental reps. <laughs> so I just hit my first bench session in like eight weeks and I literally just worked up to 315 just to make sure I could still hit it easy. And it was there. I was like, okay, I'm done. You know? yeah. Yeah. So as long as I can do that, honestly, it's better than hurting. And I'm going to try and figure out something after this meet and try and figure out a plan as far as my benching that doesn't hurt. Um, because, I mean, if I can go in and bench, I barely missed 405 at the last meet without training my bench. I trained it probably yeah. six times in six months and, and hit like 375 and barely missed 405. So if I can figure out a way to train it some and keep the pain in the shoulder away, then I think I can get in the fours again. But uh, wow, it's just figuring that out. You know, it's, it's, it's ever-changing.
0: So. Yeah, I think you're right. You can't have intensity and volume at the same time, right? And when you when the intensity can go up outside of any kind of norms, you know, like yeah. tech textbook norms, yeah, something like 80%. That sounds pretty reasonably heavy, yeah, until you're a 1,000-pound squatter. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's eight bills eight. Yeah, <laughs> on exactly. the bar. You're not going to do that. Like, I'm not
1: going to ask JP to do eight or five sets of three at 800. Right. Right, <laughs> he's gonna look at me like you're stupid. Now, so, uh, Phil,
0: people are gonna they're gonna pester and say, "Well, Phil's not giving very specific numbers. How what? What's the total number of repetitions you might do in each of the in the big lifts?"
1: Okay, like today, I'll go in there and I'll hit. Ugh. Well, it depends on early, so it's light weights. Uh, I might stay there longer, so I stay at lightweight until I feel right. So some days that's not very long some days it's a long time
0: yeah Uh, yeah
1: i i will get all my i won't go over 315 unless it feels really good um so i'll stay down under that in the 135 225 315 range and that's where all my warm-up is gets done once i'm past that then it's really fast and i'll go up you know 315 405 495 like today i gotta go to 655 so and then once i get heavy in the 550 you know 545 range now, my goal is usually, uh, now I start hitting my doubles and singles. And what I'm to do and looking to do is get, like, anywhere from 4 to 10 sets in that heavy range of okay. 80 to 90%. So, I'm, 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 most days, I'm not going in there for a specific number. I'm just looking for that number of sets of hard work in that rep range. You know, and if it's only 605 for that day because I did seven sets before it, that's okay. I'm just looking for hard work in that heavy range. Today I have a very specific goal because I'm four weeks out from a meet. So I will work up pretty quickly and get to that 655, which is going to be my opener. And I'm going to hit that and kill it. And I might do it one to three sets, depending on how it feels. Okay. So, but most of the time I'm looking for that six to 10 sets of hard work in that that higher rep range. And honestly, I don't, I have an idea of what the load's going to be on the day when I go in there, but it's not concrete. It's like I said, it's more about just getting you know, I know if I'm in that eighty to ninety percent range, it's it's hard work and I'm gonna get better. I'm not gonna get weaker by squatting six hundred pounds. Right. Even yeah. though my goal is seven fifty. You know, I need to be able to in there and go kill sets in that range and that that's heavy enough, it's gonna get me where I want to go. You
0: know, Phil, so, this reminds me of Muhammad Ali. They used to say how many, you know, sit ups do you do and he says, I don't start counting until it starts hurting. You know, yeah. and so it's like it wouldn't make sense for you to count how many reps you're, you're doing. Yeah, you might have to do five sets with one thirty-five or two and a quarter on some days, just yeah. just because yeah. you're like I'm just, just to right. shake off the rust, you know, and I'm not even counting yet because it, yes. they're not work sets. And
1: right? Once it feels right, you know, if I can make two twenty-five feel right, then literally it would be one rep at three fifteen, one rep at four hundred five, one rep at four ninety-five, and yes. it's literally just feeling it. Then uh-huh. like those don't even count. I'm just going up. You know, got it. and if one rep feels great, then I rack it and I go up, you know, there's right. no point in waiting. So I'm looking to get in that range. My, my, my reps count once they're at about 80%. So, yep. So,
0: well, I can, uh, listeners from a bodybuilding perspective, I, the, my movement choices, they're usually compound movements, except for some of the direct arm work. Cause like I said, I'm just one of those guys. I like direct I like standing barbell curls and, you know, lying triceps extensions, right? Skull crushers, hit heads, whatever you want to call them. I like that kind of stuff. But usually the those are at the end. You know, I almost do that like when, when I do some V-sits or incline sit-ups or, you know, it's almost like finishing stuff. It's fun to get a pump at the end, right? But at the same time, I'm usually rotating what I consider some of the more basic compound lifts, maybe not to a power lifter. But so it, it, it could be like um, – Mike, you alluded to like freestanding military presses. Just, yeah. I love them. I think that's such a basic, core kind of thing. So maybe one, one day of the week, let's say I do it twice in a week, like this past week, I might have done, I, well, I literally did deadlift, squat, bench, and then some, you know, st- just standing arm work and, and triceps work and whatnot. But I might just as well swap in uh, military, freestanding overhead pressing instead of the bench pressing. You know, I'll swap in um, barbell rows or seated cable rows instead of deadlifts. That might sound blasphemous to some powerlifters, but, (laughs) man, those are serious movements, and they make my lats and my traps really sore. And I I know it's not a perfect indicator of how well you stimulated a muscle group, you know, soreness, but I still use it as a gauge. I mean, obviously, I've created some micro trauma. I'm going to get some muscle remodeling. Um, For legs, squat, I'll even do leg press or hack. Uh, hack squats uh, if somebody's on the, you know, they're in the power rack where I like to squat or something like that. Honestly, you can load up a leg press. I made some of the best gains in leg mass I ever have when I lived in San Diego. I would leg press a lot, like higher volume leg pressing. Uh, it's great for growth. I mean, mm-hmm. you, I don't think you can beat the squat. I, I I honestly, I know people always argue what's the king of exercises. I would probably vote squat. I understand that there's some arguments to be made for the deadlift too. Those have got to be the two contenders, um, unless you're really good at bench pressing, <laughs> then, you <might> think <laughs> then you might think it's the bench. But, um, but yeah, I mean leg press, hacks, uh, and squats for legs, uh, mil- freestanding military presses or overhead like barbell or dumbbell. Um, like I said, all kinds of rows. I mean, I don't know how often. This sounds funny, but I you know because I don't I don't see a lot of the power lifters at my gym doing this, but. Um, just bent rows, barbell bent rows. That is a serious man movement, <laughs> and not to take anything away from oh, yeah. from the the females who listen to us. Call it woman movement then. But either way, you got to man up or woman up, you know, to start doing some heavy barbell rows. That's it, it's pretty taxing stuff, and in a way that's different. You know, it's just different feeling to me than than what uh, a deadlift might do to my back. You know, kind of thing. And oh, by the way, dumbbells—I I, I have no problem swapping in dumbbells for bench pressing too. Like Phil, you know, I've got the old guy's shoulders, and they're only going to uh, like so many different things. And I can grab much heavier dumbbells because I can supinate and stretch at the bottom and all that, get mind in the muscle kind of thing. Um, you know, than I can with a barbell, which just, ugh, just grinds the shit out of my shoulders. It, it seems like no matter what I do, and you know, I remember Phil saying if you grab really wide. Because I was doing that sort of just to kind of feel it. But then th- that's so much emphasis on my shoulders. So then I would take it a little more narrow. But I just have a hell of a time with barbell bench pressing as far as, yeah. you know, hurting. Like I said, because I'm using like two and a quarter. These days, I mean, if I go over 275, and I'll do that occasionally in any one of these lifts. But, you know, I have to be... I. It's, it's a lot, like you said, Phil, like what you feel. And my if my yeah. joints aren't allowing it, I'm not going to be stupid and like tear something in my shoulder. And then that will yeah. set me back entirely. You know? So. Yeah, and
1: that's one more place I'm at now. And it's great because I know. Like the, the the last time I benched before this week was like six weeks ago. And I literally had the – I brought 315 down and I just told the guys to take it. And when I pressed it up a little bit, I held it and took it because I knew. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to break something. Right. And it didn't feel heavy. But I knew it wasn't worth it. Just wrong. And I know that now. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and there's days I can go in and kill it. And for me, it's it's more of the as long as my shoulder's healthy, I can hit it. And one of my clients put it best the other day, as far as my training right now, he's like, well, if you want to be able to bench like 370 or 405 without training it, you better have benched 450 once before. You know, and that's the truth. You know, the reason I can still do it is because I've benched much higher earlier in life. So I'm hanging on to eighty percent. You know, without right. having to do much. So
0: I think that's a truism in all of lifting. From, yeah. from so, so ma- I can think of so many examples <laughs> where to break new ground, you need some heroic effort, right? Yeah. But to maintain something or even inch forward moderately, once a lot of those systems are in place, it just doesn't yeah. take the recklessness anymore.
1: Yeah. No, no, I mean, with very little work, I don't see me like for a long time. I, I can't say I'll be able to do it when I'm 75. But it'll be a while before I just can't bench 315 just because I can't. You know, yeah, yeah. Just because I've lifted so much heavier in my prior, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's it's a lot of past and a lot of what changed my training too was my hip replacement, and like the doctor telling me that it's not load that's gonna mess it up. You have so much volume you can put on that hip. It's it's the it's it's the amount of load over time. The wear and tear. Yeah. So I mean, he's like, you can go squat eight hundred. Don't do it for five thousand reps. right right. so and i so i keep the volume low and i don't have like my my hypertrophy is lower than it has been a long time but the muscle i have is as stronger stronger it's ever been in my squat. so
0: it is interesting how it can decouple because you know the average joe just thinks muscle mass and strength are directly related and that's true up to a point of course yes but yeah, then you can you, you watch them uncouple, like you said, the strongest power lifters are usually not the best physique type, you know, hypertrophied yeah. state while they're, you know, performing. I mean
1: you're you're neurally adapted, you know, you know how to and, and also I mean, you can't get past the like their form is impeccable. They've been doing it so long they know exactly how to squat. Like I can tell you when I hit a squat right after it's done, I know exactly what went wrong. Oh, I was a tiny tiny bit out in front. You know, or whatever. I yeah, just know yeah. from the way it feels. So, you know, I need to fix that, and I I, I gauge every rep that way.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So. so volume becomes almost an art, and I that yeah. I know that doesn't help a lot of li- listeners. I mean, it, it, numbers out of me before we ask Mike is I would say this past week I think I did four sets of six to eight reps in each one of those movements, um, and I was wrecked. I, I don't know. I just – I I was happy to be so, right, because now I'm going to go back in today. I actually feel refreshed. I've been out of the gym for several days. I'm starting to get that kind of itch, you know, to get back in there. Um, but make no mistake, for a good three, four-day period, I was just sort of growing and recovering in my mind. You know, I mean, protein synthesis curse, whatever, but, yeah, I felt good. And, yeah, geez, maybe a total of – I don't know – um, What's that? Four times six, 24 reps, you know, for each muscle group. I don't know. So, uh, Mike, uh, thoughts from you about volume or, or any of the above?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of volume and frequency. And even if, like you guys are saying, you can't get to the gym that often, um, keeping the, the volume of work as high as you can, but also, like Phil was saying, making sure that quality stays high and I know probably the one of the biggest mistakes I've made in the past, especially on lifts that I'm weaker, like squats, is in my brain I'm like, oh, but I feel so much weaker on this. I I have to work up to closer to a max each time. And when I went back and looked at my logs, I'm like, oh, that was that was horrible because <laughs> you can tell on even lighter loads that it you know it wasn't going to be there. So in essence, I was. Not practicing, what I would say is good form, at least for my body. And then this past year, I was finally able to get uh, my hips kind of sorted out so I can actually squat now without any pain. And for the first time in my life, it actually felt good. And I actually looked forward to doing more barbell squats. which nice. I can't ever say that's ever happened before. <laughs> um, and then I finally said, OK, I'm going to stop being an idiot. And, you know, throw my ego back under the bus and just say, okay, you know, what can I do for five reps that's pretty easy? So take, you know, an eight to nine rep max and just do it for five reps. You know, can I hit five reps that just feel really good, good, you know, speed? And then can I just keep adding, you know, another set or two each week? So I just did 155 for five. And then I ran that for probably like almost three months. So my goal was to get up to do 5 reps with that for at least 8 to 10 sets with the same speed, same everything else. And then once I hit that, then I would, you know, do that and then just, you know, add a little bit more weight, maybe do, you know, 175, you know, did 195. And then even with travel and everything, I did a, a test before I left for for Mexico and I hit 215 pretty easily. I stopped there cuz I just didn't want to injure myself before I went kiteboarding or have something weirdly go wrong. Um, but even though I wasn't really practicing much heavier than, you know, a few singles at 175, you know, it, it translated pretty good. So I think part of it is realizing that if you can accomplish, you know, lower weights and volume and keep the quality high and just keep adding sets. I mean, obviously, there's definitely a, a component to strength and and learning, uh, but since I'm, my lift is so low in that area compared to my other ones, I probably don't need to go, you know, singles and doubles and that kind of stuff per se. You know, I can take something easier, do that each week and then just keep adding uh, more to that. And then that's, yeah, you know, that's worked pretty well. And then I also said, okay, since my squat is so much weaker than my deadlift, um, I actually for probably the first time in my life, didn't deadlift for like two months, which was I think the first time ever. Um, But even in Costa Rica, we just, you know, we're deadlifting and just worked up to a max and I hit 375 or somewhere around there. It was in kilos um, pretty easily, you know, and even though I haven't had any direct practice on it, I'm not that far off from where I was either. I think as long as you're kind of training something that's similar, like Phil was saying, if you've got a fair amount of experience in other lifts, your lift isn't going to just all of a sudden tumble to zero. You know, it's going to be there even without a lot of direct practice, too.
1: Well, I think it's worth saying. Uh, What I'm doing, my people aren't doing.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You have a lot more experience than probably most of the people you're training, too. And
1: and I agree with you. I mean, we mainly do a lot of volume. I'm one of the powerlifting coaches in the world. I mean, we spend, if we've got a 12-week training cycle, eight of those are going to be under 80%.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, 80% or under. And we're doing a lot, a lot of volume. Um, And they're looking to kill light weights. Yeah.
0: You know, know, from... From what I've seen in the lab, it's it's fun to look at this from different perspectives. But because I still like to do negatives quite a bit, um, it's somewhere between twenty five and forty total repetitions. If you again, if you're doing like four count negatives, that you're going to rock people. Like you know, you could do blood draws Whoa. and see en- enzyme e- efflux. You know, you can see a lot of damage markers, a lot of soreness. Twenty five to forty reps with a medium weight uh, and negatives. That's how I've always gravitated toward the the volume. Side of things, you know, if you will um but yeah i'm just I'm just so tickled lately, and again i I guess it depends right, on what your goals are and your career stage and that kind of thing, but I guess I hope we've at least provided some info on you know total dose when it comes to reps, the art that comes into play sometimes if if you are that more experienced intermediate or advanced guy or gal, you might. Yeah, you, you might not count reps on those first couple of sets while you're working up and getting into your 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 work sets, you know, stuff like that. But um yeah, I thought it was like a timely topic. It was fun for me this past week cuz I walked around sore and I just felt like I I really accomplished something, mm. you know, and then now I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go do it again. So I'm looking forward to the next, I don't know, um at least 3 months of just continuing to do this stuff and like i said I, i've really noticed that i can make really good progress uh this way i like what mike said about adding a set instead of just more reps you know if you are going to do this whole body kind of workout uh, sometimes i just think heading into each set a little fresher there's some advantages to that too so yeah
2: Well yeah. well last comment is i think it all depends on what your goals are too you know, I'm purposely trying only to lift, you know, two days per week since the rest of it is more still aerobic-based development through probably spring. And then I also realized the older I get, not that I'm that old, I'm 43, I just don't want the risk of being really sore or have any, like, niggly-type injuries. You know, if I'm going to spend money to go to, we were in Tejos and then we are in Mexico, maybe 10 or 20 pounds to lift for that potential. I may, you know, sprain something or twist something to do the other thing that I really want to do. You know, so I think a lot of it is being realistic with what are your goals? You kind of what are your priorities? And then where is that, you know, risk reward? You know, people are really pushing, you know, powerlifting or other things, then yeah, they're probably going to take a little bit more risk if that's not your number one goal in life. Probably not worth, you know, pushing it just for that that little bit more of a percent increase.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
2: I say
1: even then, though, I think most people go too heavy too often, even the spot yes. Yeah. You don't need to go to 100% to get strong. I did. I said it a hundred times, but if if going to 100% all the time made us strong, then we'd just do meets every weekend and we'd all be jacked. Yeah.
2: You know? yeah. <laughs> so There'd be singles every day in the yeah. gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, you know,
0: I'll leave everybody with one thing. I, I... The, the potential drawback to this is I like theme days sometimes, thematic, you know, like if I was a power lifter, I'd probably love having just squat day, you know, or like sometimes i like to go in and uh, I always, I always like chest and arms day, you know, like t-shirt muscles. This is fun. And it's <laughs> kind of silly, but when you do whole body stuff, it's less thematic. It's less topical on the day that you go in. So it's a kind of thing. I don't know if I could do forever. But I do like right now I'm motivated to do it, right? Because yeah. the the hypertrophy that I end up with is is worth it. So I, I don't know, I would suggest at least give it a twelve or sixteen week run, you know, and see where it gets to see how it fits into your, your goals and your lifestyle. So mm-hmm. Okay. Um, good stuff. I guess we'll uh, see you for next time.
1: See you everybody next week.
2: See you.